This episode is brought to you by Patreon, specifically the Comic Pop Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash comic pop and find out more about how you can keep the lights on here at Comic Pop. And don't worry, we've got plenty of fun rewards, including early access to videos and weekly updates about what's happening here at the studio. That's patreon.com slash comic pop. All right, let's get on with the show now. Sweeping down upon the underworld to smash gangland comes the friend of the unfortunate, enemy of criminals. A mysterious, all-powerful character, a problem to the police, but a crusader for law. Hey, everybody, welcome to the Illustrious Exchange. I'm Sal, and I'm joined today again by the illustrious and incredible Jack Packard from Relative Media. Jack, thanks so much for being here, man. Sal, thank you so much for having me back. Uh, our, our Punisher talk, I'm hopefully you're linking to it right now, was so much fun to do. Uh, I, I really enjoyed our conversation. Happy to be back here, uh, anytime. I, I loved doing that Punisher episode. It was the most amount of research I think I'd ever done for this show in my life. Uh, and it was but, one of the most, like, I don't know, rewarding experiences because I, I felt like I was doing work. You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm like watching Punisher 89 and I'm taking notes and I'm, I'm, oh, watching, wow. I'm, I'm watching Warzone. I'm like, ooh, that's a good point. I want to make sure I bring that up in the show. And I. I and then when we were doing the show, I'm like, oh, I don't want to forget up to bring up this point I want to make about, you know, Jigsaw's mask. <laughs> but uh, Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. it was a really, really fun show. Check it out if you haven't already. Um, but from that show, it was revealed that you dig Spider-Man, which, mm-hmm. I mean, like, it for me, that's, like, still a qualifier. Like, I remember making friends with people just predicated on the concept of like oh you like star wars well then we're friends now <laughs> as opposed to like today's world where it's like oh you like star wars which ones which <laughs> versions of which ones be very specific uh are we talking animated live action prequels postquels yeah i think those are called sequels i think they are uh, <laughs> and more importantly, how much do you like which one? Exactly. You Go. Know, I don't want to hear that you're like you liked this version of the prequels, but not this. One. No, no, no. Either it's yeah, all yeah. or nothing. Uh, but with Spider-Man, I think that's pretty. That, I think that's still pretty, pretty pure. You know, like you dig Spider-Man. Oh, cool. I think we get it. Yeah, I think in the, in the most part, obviously, like there's a lot. Of Spider-Man, you know, Spider-Man's one of the big one of the big tent poles of the Marvel every universe. Yep. And so, you know, you're gonna have you're gonna have your people that like the old Toby movies. You're gonna have the people that like the Andrew Garfield movies, the new uh, the new uh, MCU Spider-Man movies, and then you know, cartoons. There are just dozens of different iterations in cartoons and yep. video games. There, there's a lot of Spider-Man to go around, and a lot of it's good. Yeah. Yeah, it's shocking how much of it actually is proportionately okay versus, <laughs> versus like, well, we can just forget about that. I'm sure we're going to come across right. a couple of things that are not great, but through rose-tinted glasses, they kind of, like, mean something. Because this topic today, I figure we talk about Spider-Man in other media. We could talk about the video game or the comic books, but, like, mm-hmm. we'll get to those as we talk about Spider-Man through media that we kind of like, like our favorite versions of Spider-Man outside the comics. Because, like... If we just talk about comics, but it's like, okay, well, only the 80 years worth of stories. Uh, and I'm sure that <laughs> if you've ever read comics, then there's a period where you did, then you didn't, 
and then mm-hmm. maybe you never went back or you did go back. And let's not even worry about that. Let's just cover the shows, movies, and video games. <laughs> right? That's that's like the the blessing and the curse of comic books. Yeah. Is is like you know you you pick up a storyline that you really like, and then eventually someone craps all over that character you've grown to love. That's just what happens. Yeah. But then, oh, you pick up a different book that's in a different continuity altogether, and you, oh, now this is very nice. And then someone craps all over that story, and you got to take the good with the bad. Absolutely. Exactly. I feel like I literally like envisioned exactly which stories you're talking about in that very generic example you gave. <laughs> well, of course, because because there's there's so many, and you know, like I, I I relatively came to the comic book scene pretty late. Fair enough. You know, like I I. I, I I, I had friends who had comic books all all growing up, and you know I'd I'd leave through them. My, my cousin Jake, who I hung out with constantly as a kid, uh, you know he'd have, he'd have X Men comics and Superman comics, but I, I never really got into them until later in high school, where uh, my my then girlfriend, who is now my wife, uh, is a huge comic nut. Oh, that's awesome. And, and so you know, in order to spend time with her, I had to go to the comic book store every Tuesday for New Comic Day. Mm-hmm. And, you know, eventually I just started picking up stuff. So, like, my my first real deep dive into Spider-Man, just to kind of give context as we're talking about our favorite Spider-Man. Right. Uh, my, my first real dive into Spider-Man was the Ultimate Universe. That's not a bad place to start. Well, and, you know, it was fresh. I, I love the concept of it. Just be like, you know, you don't need to worry, like you said, about 80 years yep. worth of backstory. Here's something new. Exactly. Mm-hmm. No, uh, I loved Ultimate Spider-Man. I think when I got in, it was it was much earlier. I was way littler. Uh, I did get into regular <laughs> Spider-Man because it was like that or nothing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that uh, getting into Spider-Man as a kid, my exposure was through other media because my parents hated comic books but really couldn't regulate the TV. Nice. And so, you know, I watched a lot of the cartoons and uh, mm-hmm. through a friend of mine, my a kid I used to grow up with, his dad actually wound up painting... Did you ever read R.L. Stein's Fear Street novels? No. Okay, don't. <laughs> but, uh, wait, wait. <laughs> but uh, but the, guy, uh, the guy who did Goosebumps had done this like series before Goosebumps called Fear Street, which is like a... I don't know. Like the most garbage, rudimentary, one-dimensional mysteries. Uh, <laughs> like, eight, like 98 pages... Uh, mm-hmm. Where teenagers just murder each other indiscriminately, and like it's usually couched in some kind of theme, like they're at the beach, or they're at a Halloween party, or you know they're at some kind of like house party. Usually, it's a party because it's teenagers we're talking about. Uh, <laughs> but it was a big, it was it was a big scene for a little while, and mm-hmm. my buddy's dad painted all the covers. Oh, neat! Yeah, and so through that, he was like, "Oh, well, all the re- everything is a reference. Everything is a." like touchstone for him as an artist so like he got mm-hmm. into comics and he had a bunch of them and so that's how I kind of like got into regular comics and particularly Marvel comics mm-hmm. um, and he had old tapes of the Spider-Man TV show from the 70s oh which fun. is well, the first time I'd ever seen live action Spider-Man and for because I read a lot of like those magazine, like I read Wizard Magazine, which is this comic book publishing magazine. Mm-hmm. Um, I was told at a very young age, well, you'll never see Spider-Man in the movies because it's so legally screwed up. <laughs> It'll never happen. And because adults Poor were talking, Marvel. I was like, well, that's that. Right. Okay. Right. <laughs> I was never make a movie of Spider-Man. Right. Right. Well, I mean, you know, obviously 
they were in such dire straits for so long. And, and of course, you know, kind of jumping into the, the idea of adaptation, we just did not have the special effects capability to bring a decent Spider-Man to the screen. No. I, I think that if they had actually managed to do what they wanted to do as early as, like, 1990, 1991, it would have been laughable even oh, to the scares back then. It would have been the, the Incredible Hulk TV show, yeah. laughable. I mean, you know. The, the Spider-Man live-action show from the 70s, the Hammond series, if you will, is so... Uh, it's weird because it's like you had this opportunity and they took no... They, they, they used none of it. You know? <laughs> They're like, okay, well, I get it. There's a newspaper thing. We've got a, we've got a newspaper set. Okay, we got that. Um, mm. And that's all we're really going to do. <laughs> Like, <laughs> I will just stick the dude in bell bottoms and make it and make a show. Uh, which yeah, I think absolutely. lasted like a year. It wasn't even that long, but it was mm -hmm. the only live action Spider Man, so anyone remembers it because that's literally all you had. <laughs> um, but that was kind of my first exposure, at least to like live action Spider Man. Mm -hmm. um, did you ever watch any of the cartoons? Oh, oh, religiously. That like the. The the '90s Spider-Man cartoon, uh, who who is uh, Christopher Daniel Barnes did yes. the voice, who who to me is you know he's up there with Kevin Conroy as far as like oh. who do who, you know Kevin Conroy does the voice of Batman for Batman the animated series for those who don't know but like so whenever I hear Batman it's Kevin Conroy and whenever I hear Spider-Man it's Christopher Daniel Barnes all the time hundred percent yeah I think I got to agree with you despite the fact that like I have gone on record in saying I don't like that show um, <laughs> regardless of the fact that I watched every single episode. <laughs> Every single well, it's, that's all we had, and and uh, for, like that Saturday morning was just killer, oh, you know, because there was there was Spider Man, there was the X Men cartoon, there was the Tick cartoon, yes. there was Eek the Cat, like that block of Saturday morning cartoons was nonstop killer. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, but yeah, I watched all that show. Man, mm. Barnes, he nailed it. Did you ever play? the game, I don't remember which game it was, I think it might have been Shattered Dimensions, where they were like, let's get all the guys, like, at least as many guys as we can who played Spider-Man in cartoons to, to voice Spider-Man in those games. Oh, so no, like, I don't... I played a little bit of Shattered Dimensions, right, but not a ton. I think Barnes is in it. I think he plays Spider-Man 2099. Oh, okay. Which is kind of dope. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I really, like, here's the thing. The voice acting in that show is so great. You got mm -hmm. Jennifer Hale. She plays uh, Black Cat. Um, I don't remember who played Aunt May. I think it might have been... Ah, it doesn't matter. Point is, doesn't great matter. cast. Oh, uh, mm. what's his name? Uh, shit. Ed Asner as J. Jonah Jameson. Oh, yes. Killed it. And, you know, whoever whoever did Kingpin's voice oh, just, God. like, brought that yes. depth. And, and, you know, the animation wasn't... The greatest. That's really my <laughs> biggest peeve is the animation, which it, it, it's a double-edged sword because it's not just the animation. If it was just the animation, I'd be able to get through it, right? But mm -hmm. like, it's also the obvious like censorship that was in that show, where it's like if you ever watch it again, which like why would you? But like I hear you. <laughs> um, but if you ever rewatch it, like notice how no one throws a punch, how. Everyone who is a villain, whether it is the, the highest echelon of supervillainy to the lowest dregs of like purse snatchery, 
mm-hmm. no one has a gun. Everyone has a laser pistol. So we're in this of kind of like weird future <laughs> version of everything. Like, I think the guy who kills Uncle Ben actually shoots him with a laser pistol. Like, it's that kind of crazy, mm-hmm. like, non-violent violence that they were. And, and of course, Batman Animated Series coming out at the same time. So you have these two shows running concurrently where they're both brilliantly voice cast. And they're both trying to, like, break barriers with animation. One mm-hmm. through, like, real traditional animation. The other one through cost-cutting, you know, corner-cutting CG and also <laughs> traditional animation. Oh, which looked... Uh, it, it looked awful. It, it just never, looked it, terrible. It didn't no. age well at any point. Um, and, and uh, like, I guess... I understand where you're coming from thinking about that 90s cartoon and the violence. But to me, uh, a positive swing to it. Like, I, I will sure. perfectly acknowledge all of your points. Yeah, it, it was super lame. But also, that got to highlight another side of Spider-Man, which is his cleverness. Yes! Yeah, that there was a lot of puzzle solving for that Spider-Man. <laughs> That's true. For me, I, I, I gotta agree with you. The cleverness and his wit. Like, mm-hmm. he throws quips like he does in the <laughs> comics. Like, in a legitimate, and in a kind of genuinely funny way. There are a lot of, mm-hmm. like, really, really great like voice gags and also ob- observational humor gags in that show mm-hmm. that are... Either I can imagine if you're producing a cartoon show, you're like, nope, they won't get it, don't do it. Like it's the kind of thing where I'm amazed by the level of subtlety that like some animation actually goes through. It, it's Simpsonian in its in its levels, where I'm like, how, you know, where you're like you're watching The Simpsons and you're like, how is it that the animators that they got knew to have you know like Krusty give that subtle a glance? Mm-hmm. You know, like, how do they know how to capture that in words? Where they're like, oh, make sure that he gives a distrustful yet like complacent look <laughs> on his face. I, I have no idea how they managed to make that happen. Um, right. But uh, but with the Spider-Man animated series, like that, the the humor is on point, straight up. Like no. You're Absolutely. Totally well, and you know, like even though we didn't get a lot of punching, there is a, a legitimately good amount of action. You know, there's lots of there's lots of jumping around. There's lots of swinging. There's lots of. Things there's very Spider-Man things that yeah. he's doing, and so I like I'm okay with it, and may, that might be nostalgia. I hear you. I mean, what you basically described was Van Helsing, um, in terms of like visual spectacle and swinging. So I guess that's I guess that's true. It could Thank be visually God. stunning. It is, it is a great experience. Um, I like that. It's, it was very distracting. You have to understand. It's very it's a very colorful. Like, everything's moving. People are mm-hmm. colorful and care. Like they, they have their costumes on. Um, the, the actual interplay with between the characters is also pretty... I don't want to say subtle, because it's not. So I'll say something else. I guess it's just... It, it's more mature than I would have given it credit for. Well, I they were definitely... And, and you know, the more you kind of get into OG Spider-Man, you realize just how much of a soap opera it was. Oh, yeah. Well, and I feel like... And I think I've read this somewhere that the Spider-Man animated series was like a response to the X-Men animated series. Mm. Like X-Men, nobody believed in it. It was a complete mistake. And (laughs) it was a huge success. And like the gold standard for superhero cartoons. And Mm -hmm. one would Mm -hmm. say like story-driven action animated shows in general. Uh, But the soap opera nature, like literally, X Men the animated series was were my stories as a kid. Like that was (laughs) 
absolutely. Everything like, was connected. Everything was like, there was no standalone show. Previously on X-Men, a whole bunch of shit happened. Good luck catching up. Because that's the first time you, as a kid you knew what a love triangle was. Yes. Right? <laughs> like Wolverine, Scott, Jean Grey. Oh man! Yeah, all the men are yelling Jean. The, 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 moment, <laughs> the moment when Wolverine is um, it's it's Jean and uh, Cyclops' wedding, which of course is a scam because the evil version of Morph is pretending to be the priest and he's marrying them so it doesn't count but when That's the right. wedding goes on Wolverine is in his tuxedo but he decides to not go to the wedding but instead fight sentinels in the danger room on the hardest setting just to have a physical punishment <laughs> Ooh! <laughs> and you're like what the hell is happening like children should not be watching this I was absolutely a child. Like, I was not at the age where I'm like oh look at the pathos on this poor man but like I, I, I kind of understand now like why my parents were like kind of suspicious and, and, and distrustful of superheroes and comic books because mm-hmm. like I'm sitting there watching this I'm just watching this, this this grown man physically tormenting himself over the love he can't possibly like be requited for and my dad's like what the hell are you watching and I'm like oh I'm watching superheroes I'm watching Wolverine right like as, as a child you're like yeah Wolverine made the right call who wants to go to a boring wedding let's fight robots <laughs> duh yeah. well and you know he loves her but there's nothing that can be done about it. It's just, yeah. So they, anyway, they, they, that's a long way of saying that when they were making the Spider-Man show, they were like, do more of that. Get some <laughs> of that crap in there, because apparently the kids like it. Yeah, apparently. Uh, you, you know, and I love, I think the 90s Spider-Man cartoon has a lot of positive attributes. I, I, I think after a while, it, it fell into the same trap that a lot of Spider-Man properties do, which is, uh, you know, one, the Clone Saga. <laughs> I can't believe they did it. Uh, and two is just, you know, like, it, I, I guess it's power creep, you know, like, and uh, and uh, escalation, the, the problem with escalation, which is after a while, thing, you know, enemies need to be more powerful. He needs to grow. He needs to get more powers. I mean, you, I, I think it was an entire season that he had, like, that he was going through that, like, spider virus oh, thing God. where his arms that, kept popping out. That was, I think, one of the parts for me. Because I, I was, if, if you stay in comics long enough, they'll break your heart. I remember as a kid, I jumped off <laughs> Spider-Man during the Clone Saga mm-hmm. in the comics and in the cartoon. Uh, I'll never forget, it's burned into my brain. It was called the Neogenic Nightmare. And uh, the idea is that, yeah, Spider-Man has this disease, and it's making his powers go away. I'm like, I really just want to watch Spider-Man go on adventures. Like, I'm so done with this subplot of him, like, dying of a disease that ultimately will turn him into a (laughs) man-spider. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I, but, I but as a writer and as a show producer, you need to add new elements because you know you can't you can't uh, just have them fight another gangster. Even though, like, of course, that's what we want. But you know, you can't. You just can't do that, or else it'll get old. And right. so it's like, okay, mutants. Yeah, I guess it's the, yeah. You need to create this element of like newness because you mm-hmm. you don't want your audience to get complacent or to take for granted what you have. So you you dangle the hope of like comfort right. and security at the end of a story that is like just frustrating. <laughs> well, and remember, you know, like they're producing children's cartoons, and so like they're writing stories based on what can we get in the ten second commercial, yeah. right? Like, what's going to get the kid to watch it? Is it going to be Spider Man stops another bank robber, 
Or is it going to be this week on Spider-Man, his mutant powers explode? <laughs> you know? Yeah, I guess you got me there. <laughs> and, and I'm not saying that's that's the correct way to do it, but that's that's the way they were doing it. And right. and so yeah, it, you know, it kind of imploded a little bit, but I, I feel like they ended it in a very positive way. That that final episode where you know, kind of kind of he gets to revisit with with his uh with another spider an alternate dimension uncle ben yeah and uh and he gets to swing stan lee around for a little bit it was beautiful it, that is a perfect ending to a beautiful story like mm. that even though it's so stupid like that's, it was it, you gotta i mean like even though i'm like i'm letting like letting my heart like soar a little bit i'm also like but it was also really dumb though like <laughs> don't forget how stupid that was although it also has some of the best voice acting again like in those moments where like you know you got spider carnage and he's freaking out i mean like christopher <laughs> daniel Barnes, i'm surprised he didn't blow out his voice from all the screaming he did right so good he can never either he can never get high or go out with a girl named mary jane again because of the amount of times he screamed mary jane in his career it's just unbelievable <laughs> A fun little fact for for no one who knows, um, uh, Christopher Daniel Barnes is also the voice of Prince Eric in The Little Mermaid. No kidding. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So so basically, The Little Mermaid hooked up with Spider Man. Yeah, well, you know, Spider Man's got a thing for redheads. So. <laughs> nice. Uh, it's funny that show. I couldn't wait for that show because the only shows that I had as a kid were, you could go to like the. The music store or the video store, and buy tapes of a previously aired cartoon called Spider-Man and His Amazing Friends. Yes. Oh my God. I watched a lot of that show, and I really, really, as a kid, I remember being like, I don't know why I'm watching this because I don't like any of it. No, not good whatsoever. No, and I think the only reason is because at the time, I was just like, I, I must have been new to Spider-Man. I loved the character, and mm. I was like. I'm just hungry for any, anything I can get my hands on. Well, that was a, it was a, was that a seventies cartoon or even a sixties cartoon? An, oh no, no. Well, the, they had the sixties cartoon, which actually is the origin of the theme everyone likes. Mm. Then they did the seventies live action show. Then in 81, I think they had a show called Spider-Man, which was atrocious. And while they were developing that show, they developed another show called Spider-Man and his amazing friends, which had the exact same animation the exact same type of theme song, same narrator, <laughs> but different voice actors for Spider-Man, and made by oh, two man. different production companies. Well, that uh, Spider-Man and his amazing friends, like that, lasted a bit, and that was Spider-Man, Iceman, <laughs> and Firestar. Yes, who they created for the show because oh really? They couldn't use Human Torch. That was the plan, and they were like, "Well, we still want to go do the whole fire thing, so <laughs> let's make." And they were. They were roommates, but their apartment also was their secret base. Yeah. Oh yeah, I, I, oh I've seen it. Oh yeah, no, it's it's a scene. Uh, their, their <laughs> it's main, not good. <laughs> their main villain was, of course, Fantastic Four villain Doctor Doom, because that's what you do when you have an X Man, a totally original character, and Spider Man. You use a Fantastic Four villain. Um, it is. The only episode that I think is worth a damn... There are two episodes, actually, I like, and both of them I ironically have on VHS. Uh, there's the origin of Firestar, which they don't get to until, I think, season two. Okay. Uh, called A Firestar is Born. That one, 
And you know what it is? I'm a sucker for animation. So, like, for me, they don't reuse a lot of the animation. Like, it's actually... It's actually good, like, in terms of the standard of animation that was coming out at the time. Okay. So, for me, I'm like, oh, it just looks really good. Like, I'm in. I don't care how dopey it is. Uh, and the other one where uh, Firestar... They establish that in the, in the cartoon, you know, Iceman's an ex, an, a former X-Man. Mm-hmm. Firestar's also a mutant. So they're like, let's just say that they were both on the X-Men. And so the two of them, like, go to, like, an X-Men reunion party. Uh-huh. And they don't invite Spider-Man because he's, like, not an X-Man. They're like, you can't come. <laughs> and uh, Juggernaut's, like, going to break up the party. And it's that one is fun because you get to see all the X-Men in there. Plus, you get the added bonus of an Australian Wolverine. What? Well, I don't know if you've ever seen... There's this... Uh, the same people who developed, uh, like, G.I. Joe and stuff made an X-Men pilot called Pride of the X-Men, which is just the name of the two-part episode that they developed for... Oh, I think I've seen seen clips, I think, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think the whole thing's on YouTube, but, like, don't quote me on that. You can find it anywhere. Uh, (laughs) But it's a a full-on, like, pilot that didn't get picked up. They were like, it's too expensive. I don't even get this X-Men thing. Screw you. And they wound up actually using it as the basis for the arcade game that I know you played. Of no course. Um, and that's why, like, Dazzler's in it. Awesome. Um, yeah, but uh, but anyway, in that show, they also made Wolverine Australian. And I don't know for the life of me why they did that. Well, because they were they were psychic, and they knew that eventually Hugh Jackman, an Australian yes. man, would become the most famous Wolverine ever. I, I, actually, yeah. it's, kind of, it's kind of amazing how, yeah. like, people's first version of live action or of, of, of I don't know the multimedia Wolverine was Australian and then mm-hmm. the first live action Wolverine was an Australian man that's really weird, weird. that is really weird yeah. that's, like but, some, that's like some Dick York Sergeant York situation <laughs> <laughs> I just wonder like I wonder how much at, at the comics in the time how much backstory Wolverine had. They, you know, like, did they, they even know he was Canadian? They, oh, yeah. No, when he first showed up, they were like, he is Canadian. <laughs> like, from the get-go, he was Canadian. Well, because he... Oh, what was the name of his team? Alpha Force? Alpha Flight. Alpha Flight. Yeah, the Canadian I'm, Super Team. The Canadian Super Team with Vindicator. Yeah, and Sasquatch, uh, because they're in the Pacific Northwest. <laughs> Because they're a Canadian superhero team, yeah. so we got we got a Sasquatch. What, what are you going to do about it? It's <laughs> a Sasquatch. Uh, okay, well, and yeah, I'm I'm not uh, super down on the history, but that's fair. Like uh, basically, so basically, like it was very easy for them to find out that he was Canadian, and they just said, "Ah, eh, fuck it." I, I think <laughs> I, honestly, if you want, I, I really believe it was Dundee fever. I think it was the fact that like Australians oh, printed sure. money, mm. or so they thought. Yeah, so yeah. They made him Australian. <laughs> Like, that Crocodile Dundee is burning up the box office. I mean, like, I actually saw Dundee 2 for the first time, like, a month ago. Oh, yeah? I gotta say, that Paul Hogan, he's a charming fellow. That's that, that's very true. You know, the, the, true. the female lead is actually, was his wife? Like, they their, their on-screen chemistry was real shit. Really? Good, <laughs> good for him. I know. I don't think they're together anymore, but at least they oh. got three Dundee movies out of, out of that uh, anyway, <laughs> and, okay. So anyway, uh, enough X Men talk because right. you know this is the Spider Man in other media. 
<laughs> Basically, it's just, hey, remember all these fun things. That's literally it. It's just, hey, what else did you play or watch? Spider-Man-themed. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so that that would probably bring us to Tobey Maguire, right? Yeah, I think so. I think because that's like the show ended in... Like the late '90s, early mid mid or mid to late or mid to early '90s, and I know there were there was a a, a, a glut of Spider-Man cartoons after that. You know, there was there was Spider-Man 2099. Okay, it it might as well have been. But I, I, oh, it wasn't officially Spider-Man 2099. Not. It was called Spider-Man Unlimited. He doesn't go to the future. He goes to a counter Earth that's on the other side of the sun. What? Where he fights. This is. This show is the most batshit insane thing. It's like why, basically, there's two. <laughs> there should be two criteria for why you think why anyone should think they can get into the entertainment industry. One mm-hmm. is watch Clerks. The other is watch Spider-Man Unlimited. Because like, I okay. So there, all this by the way is actual like not canon but like real shit from the comics. Like there is a fellow called the High Evolutionary whose like mission in life is to find like the perfect evolutionarily superior being and he'll like occasionally miss like mess with humans or aliens and make them into crazy like mutates and stuff all right well in the cartoon j jonah jameson's astronaut son goes on a mission on the other side of the sun and on the other side of the sun he finds a counter earth that is run by the high evolutionary which is just like our earth only he took over and so the primary dominant species on the planet are these crazy animal men and humans are second-class citizens. Perfect. And, uh, so Venom and Carnage want to sabotage the space shuttle. <laughs> so Spider-Man jumps on board the space shuttle. So mm. all four of them go to this counter-Earth. And then Spider-Man oh, gets a geez. new costume and basically like fights for the freedom forces of humanity on this Earth that doesn't matter. It, It is just... I love it. I couldn't believe it had as many episodes as it does. And, like, to hear the, the showrunners talk, you know, they were like, oh, don't worry, by season two we would have, if we had gotten more show, he absolutely would have gone home and we would have gotten back to making real Spider-Man cartoons. I'm like, sure. sure. Then, why, None of that then just, why start in such a ridiculous place if you're just going to go back home? Oh, yeah, man. They, well, they weren't. It's just a, it's just a big fat lie. <laughs> like, uh, but yeah, there was that. Uh, they made, um, and then that's it. Like it's that, and then the movie. It's it's Toby. It's and then it's Toby, right? And and you know they d- during this time of the movies, this is this is always what I refer to as the awkward years, right? Where where they they have a little bit of uh, CG technology. They're they're trying to find the tone. But you know, like the only the only other real big superhero movie you have at the time is Superman or Batman, right? And so right. and Superman's a joke because Superman Four: The Quest for Peace. People still remember it in two thousand two. So Love like, it. It's just bad, and even Batman's a joke. Like superheroes right. are kind of passe at this point. Absolutely, and and you know, like this is this is our first you know, tentative step towards modern superhero movies. And, you know, for better or for worse, uh, there, there's a lot of good and a lot of bad. I, I think, yeah. you, you know, we the, the right call was made as far as, like, the, the bright, colorful world. I think Toby was a fantastic choice for Peter Parker. Mm-hmm. For Well, for the version of Peter Parker 
that Sam Raimi was going for, which was almost a caricature <laughs> of the original Peter Parker, right? Like, I mean, he like, was never that nerdy, I don't think. No, the dude was nerdy, I think, like, in the first appearance. Like, his first run, like, the Lee Ditko years, he is mm-hmm. a nerd. Yeah. But he, he is definitely not a loser. <laughs> like Tobey Maguire basically but I mean like I mean we're talking about a Sam Raimi movie here I mean like everyone is a caricature of humanity in a Sam Raimi movie uh, you know what touche you, you win that one because well, like, everyone a... in that movie is insane yes right like everyone every, in that movie even the extras insane. are insane <laughs> even this even the high school bully the, uh, well the the the, the 35 year old high school bully bully who was being ordered around by like the by the 19 year old high school teacher yep that's yep. so weird i was it's literally so i was weird. talking about this the other day i'm like does anybody else remember how weird it was that his high school teacher is younger than he is and everyone's like i don't remember that at all <laughs> and then you show him the clip and you go oh oh yeah wow, he is yeah. he is like maybe 19 it's really weird. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. It, like you, you get some uh, some amazingly fun kind of uh, superhero world building though. Like the the visualization of the spider sense. Yeah. Like remember that that first that first like super panoramic shot or you know whatever however you call it orbiting shot where he's about to get hit and he hears the fly buzzing and he can see you know he sees through time and space. Dude, I I don't know if you I don't know if you remember your experience seeing the theater, but I do because as a Spider-Man fan, this is, mm. I was told it was never going to happen. So I'm I'm like I'm in an alternate reality right now. <laughs> and. When the spider sense kicks in, you could hear a pin drop in that theater. Mm-hmm. I was like, "How is everyone having such a good experience? Like, this is amazing." I'm, I was like, "I was happy to see it, but like, it was mind blowing how invested everyone in the theater was in that moment." Right. And, like when the spit is coming out of the spitball that he also like <laughs> we go into the straw and around <laughs> the ball, the audience audibly gasped. Like, they'd it, never seen anything before. It was like we were watching Avatar. Well, well you know, it was, the, you know, the, it was Matrix-esque, and it was, you know, computer technology, and it was, like, it was the first time that you kind of get a sense of, like, oh, when, like, his spider, when his spider sense kicks in, this is how he sees the world. There's right. beautiful visualization. But then on the other side of things, you got the webs coming out of his wrists. Yeah. And... and and you get why you understand, you know, if, if you know anything about uh, uh, producing a feature film, you know that cuts need to be made somewhere. Exactly. You got to make choices. You got to be, you got to make executive choices. Like, <laughs> yep. We don't have time for him to be a super genius too. Right. A lot of work needs to be put in before that. It's still really creepy. It's very creepy. If you've, have you ever read, this is going off a little bit on a tangent, but have you ever read the James Cameron treatment for Spider-Man? Oh my god, no. You must. You must. <laughs> I must. Yeah. Well, now I must, yes. <laughs> uh, because if you think that James Cameron missed the opportunity to make the organic webbing realization a sexual metaphor for adolescence, then you do not know James Cameron. Because he absolutely does. Oh, oh, uh, that's really gross. He, that's a- <laughs> oh no, he discovers the webbing. Like he lifts the sheet and he's covered in webbing. Yeah. After having a bondage dream about webbing up Mary Jane and like having sex with her. Oh. 
it's a whole thing. And Let's be glad we didn't get that then. That's what, uh, you know, I, again, like sometimes I really wish I had like a, like a portal gun and be like, I'll just pull that DVD from that reality right? and watch that movie. That would be great. Like that or, or Superman Re, uh, Reborn. I would love Nick. to see or Flyby or any of those. <laughs> any of the failed Superman attempts. The, yep, yep. the Nicolas Cage one I'll take. Just that one. That, oh, that's all we. Oh, Nicholas Cage Superman, directed by Tim Burton, written by Kevin Smith. <laughs> we need that. How can you beat that? You can't. You cannot. But, uh, yeah, no. Like, it's funny as a comic book fan. Um, you know how desperate the industry is for any for like any of the movie runoff. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, please! Like, like they, they, everyone in the comic book industry has like little cups. And they just, they just wait for the movie train to like roll by and catch whatever whatever drippings fly mm-hmm. off the sides. And uh, so when Spider-Man got organic webbing, you can bet your boots that the comic books were like, well, yeah, he's got them too. So they, 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 <laughs> oh. they forced a story where Spider-Man like needs to get organic webbing, and so he does. Oh, and the no. second that Andrew Garfield has mechanical webbing, oh, they went away. Oh, and you're comic like, books. Oh, how obvious. But uh, anyway, yeah. The, but that movie, man, I loved that movie when it came out. I, because yeah. I didn't see anything like it. It got like the spirit of the characters right. Mm-hmm. That moment when Mary Jane says she wants to act, I got chills. Because I'm like, yeah, Mary Jane's supposed to be an actress. This is amazing. <laughs> um like they they got a they got a lot right, uh, you know. One of one of the best parts is kind of like you know Mary Jane and Peter being you know neighbors from a very poor neighborhood. Yeah. And you, you get a really good sense that they just don't have anything. I I don't think they did a terribly good job of kind of like theming no. that Spider Man. But again, this is the awkward years where they're just trying to make a superhero movie. Right. You know, um, and then, of course, like, we completely forget about the fact that, you know, like, Peter is supposed to be a poor college student when he just, oh, he moves in with Harry. Now we'd, we'd never have to worry about that again. Yeah, that's true. Um, we, you know, we, we get a, a, a brilliant performance by Willem Dafoe. Oh, he's so good. And, and you know, like, it's my, my favorite Spider-Man villains in general are kind of villains that mirror Peter Parker, you know, these like burdened geniuses who, you know, use their knowledge for evil while he uses his knowledge for good. You get uh, one of the ugliest uh, costumes in (laughs) comic book movie history, bar none. And they they knew it then. Like, I remember people being like, he looks stupid, like even in 2002. And I'm like, yeah, Mm mm-hmm. Yeah, he really no, looks super I, stupid. I remember justifying it a bit in my head, where I'm like, "It's a flight suit. He doesn't have a lot of time to make it cool." Like, I get it, <laughs> but it really does suck. Oh, it it sucks super hard because if it's just a flight suit, why does it have goblin ears? You know, <laughs> it was it was half because into tribal masks, and he made yes, it himself. Of course, that's why. <laughs> oh man, and then like I remember seeing. Um, like behind the scenes animatics and like yes props when they were when they were going to make him kind of like a mutated version yeah and give him like a moving mouth and stuff i'm like that's awesome 
and their justification saying things like, well, it wouldn't realistically make sense for Norman Osborn. Once he wants to change back into, Nor into, into Norman, he would have to, like, take off all this stuff, and it wouldn't make any sense. Like, it doesn't make any... None of this makes any sense. <laughs> well, you know, remember, this is still coming off of the success of movies like Blade and X-Men, right? Yes, right. Where they they did a lot of work in those movies too, and of course, uh, oh wait, when was when was Batman Begins? Oh, that was I think two thousand. I think it was right after Spider Man, like maybe two thousand. Right after. Okay, well, well, so you know, if you if you look at uh, you're looking it up. Yeah, I'm looking here. Oh, thank you. <laughs> uh, two thousand five. All right. Two thousand. Oh, nice call. Well, and so you know, like if if you look at kind of the the relative success of Blade and the X-Men movie, they yeah. were definitely trying to make it more realistic. Definitely. They they were trying to ground it in something. And I, I think had it been solely up to Sam Raimi, he would have had, you know, a monster. He loves monsters. Yes. But that was the studio saying, oh, other superhero movies that have made a lot of money are grounded in reality, so we need to do the same. I mean, like... They opened the X-Men movie with a, with a scene from Auschwitz. You can't have a rubber right. anything in the movie if you're going to go there. Of course not. Um, and, you know, but luckily we get you know a decently uh, colorful outfit. At least they didn't try to uh, Daredevil Spider-Man. Oh. Remember Daredevil's like le biker leather outfit? Yeah. No. <laughs> no, no, it just, just doesn't no. exist. You can tell, it's so it's so it's almost like kind of cute how they think that's working like how yeah. they're just they're they're making this movie you're seeing this horrible CG blob that's supposed to be Ben Affleck like jumping from from uh you know scaffold to scaffold and you're like mm -hmm. that's not working at all none of this is working Listen, we can do an entire other episode on uh, the Daredevil. the glory that is the Daredevil movie. Yes. But, uh... <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, you're right. You're right. I'll go down the rabbit hole. We'll talk about... Once Colin Farrell comes up, it's over. It's Sp over! We'll talk about Spider-Man. I love your point about um, the, the, the villains being m reflections of Peter. Mm. And Spider-Man 2 nails that down, where they're like... Oh. Right. Peter's Peter like where it's actually like a character thing for Peter where he's like no Doc Ock is me if I can succeed right right like he like not only not only is there a uh, is is there a mirror of his personality but like there is a mentor mentee relationship yeah. with with Otto um, uh, something again that they do incredibly fantastically in the uh, PlayStation 4 Spider-Man game right um, where where it's it's really just about like he aspires to be just like him and then and then it's all turned on its head. It's beautiful. Spider Man two, like for uh, for its one it, Spider Man two has one big fault, but besides that, it is a, a gosh darn perfect superhero movie, a perfect Spider Man movie. It's gorgeous and glorious. Yeah, uh, all the Spider Man stuff, great. The Peter mm -hmm. Parker stuff works, and on paper, I get it and I like it. <laughs> but the more I watch it, the more I'm like, I don't think I like Peter Parker as a person in this movie. Yes. I think he's like a creepy, gaslighting, manipulative, bad man. Like, I, I you know, he's yes. like, Mary Jane and I can't be together. So I will constantly infer to her that we can be together. And the second she says she's in a relationship... I'm going to try extra hard to try and get her to be interested in me again. Like, mm -hmm. everything about that 
reeks of creepiness and <laughs> and this like yes. weird like well I don't I know I can't have you but I know I can so you moving on is not okay with me and like watching that go through and every time I see it I'm like more and more like disgusted and angry and then like of course being an adult you know you're watching like Mary Jane like run away from the altar and she's like looking so thrilled and you're like you just wasted thousands of dollars other people's oh, money oh like, way more yeah I mean, hundreds but then, of thousands it's funny I was literally thinking about that scene in preparation for the show and I was mm-hmm. like thinking about how beautiful that scene is shot and how like how euphoric you're supposed to feel mm-hmm. and so like you're supposed to throw away your like your conceptions of how logistically nightmarish that is and how well and, and also like like uh um uh, what's his what's the son's name oh john jameson john jameson john jameson like seemed to be a pretty good guy you right. know? <laughs> like i asked for it you it was very easy for them to make him like chauvinistic or abusive. Right. No, G- give us a- some reason to not like him because like he's a hero, an astronaut and like a decent dude. Yeah. No, that dude is a, like they, when, when she's kidnapped by Doc Ock, like he's on the front lines to try and get her back and he does not have powers. <laughs> exactly. That poor man. And he is, he and James Marsden from Superman Returns are just the, the like forever cuckolded, like good man. <laughs> of these movies where it's like, we're supposed to not root for you, but mm-hmm. like, it would be so easy for the screenwriter to make you a bad guy. It's, it's okay to dial that up. Just make it obvious that, you know, we, we need to be okay with Mary Jane running away from the wedding. Right. right. Like, I, I get it. And you know, like there, there's a lot of, uh, we kind of talked about this earlier is like, you know, the OG Spider-Man comic books are, they're, they're a melodrama. They are a, uh, a, a, a soap opera. And the other half of Spider-Man 2 is a soap opera, and it's fantastic. It is all, you know, like, relationship stuff. It is all, you know, Peter making a, a choice between, you know, being a hero and being a normal person. And I love that that kind of, a, you know, that second act showing, like, oh, he actually could have a decent life if he just concentrated on his life and not on being Spider-Man. I, I, I love that because that, that's paramount to his character. And I'm trying to remember now why he... Oh, right, right. And then, you know, we, we, we get that, that wonderful moment where he's, you know, rescuing people from a fire. Yeah, without, uh, with, without his powers. Yeah, and that's, like, the one really stupid part of the movie is, like, so he doesn't have powers because he doesn't want them. Right. Oh, like, no, that's, that's, that's it. That, there's that great scene where he's like trying to figure out why his powers aren't working. Mm-hmm. So he goes to this doctor who's wearing a Grateful Dead t-shirt and tells him that they're psychosomatic. Right. And that his therapist tells him like you should do that. And I'm like you should get your copay back. I don't think this guy's a real doctor. Like he is not helping you at all, man. Like, like, mm-hmm. Because Doc Ock drops it's actually that movie is so brilliantly written because of how it's thematically working. Like we talked about how those movies kind of lack a theme. Mm-hmm. Spider-Man 2, I think, nails down the theme. Mm-hmm. Where Doc Ock says it when Peter first meets him and they're having dinner in one of the most generic conversations I've ever seen on film. But we'll get to that oh, in a second. Uh, nah. oh, I'll disagree with you, but go ahead. Well, for, okay, so where, where, Peter, where, uh, where Doc Ock says, uh, if, you keep, if you keep something as complicated as love stored inside, it will make you sick. Mm. Boom. That, that's it. He's like, if you if you don't if you if you lie to yourself about mm-hmm. how you feel, it will make you sick. His powers don't work, 
because he won't admit that he loves Mary Jane. That's the movie. Well, well, and all the, you know, he, he also won't admit that he loves being Spider-Man. Right. You know, like, and, and so he's trying to, he's trying to live both lives and obviously it's a movie, you know, we, we don't have a ton of time, right? but you know, like I, I do something I, I really enjoy about the movies after, you know, we get to the end of the movie and he's made this choice. Like I am, I, I can't not be Spider-Man. Yes. And you know Mary Jane is all is is very you know with him, and he swings out to to rescue you know follows the sirens to rescue, and we get that lovely shot of Mary Jane where she's oh. like, oh crap, I oh the graduate so- shot where she's just like, I've made a terrible mistake. <laughs> <laughs> well, she she finally figured out like what she signed up for, right? Yeah. It's it's that's a great moment. Right. You should end the series on that note because like. <laughs> Exploring that is only more self-torture. Like, uh, that concept of, like, okay, so, like, she signed up for a life of being alone and worried about her husband or boyfriend Mm -hmm. uh, forever. Uh, Forever. Let's explore that. Let's go down that rabbit hole. Like, no! (laughs) It's just... Well, it doesn't end well. That's that's part of, like, the classic... Like, the the thing that Sam Raimi was going for was, you know, a caricature version of the 60s Spider-Man. And basically, that's what Mary Jane was. She was a prop. Right. Like she she came into the series as basically a joke, right? Like like ugly old Mary Jane turns out to be hot. Like that was her whole purpose. That's right. Yeah. And then she spent most of her time in the comics as literally not a person, as just a prop that Peter sometimes liked, sometimes didn't need to rescue, whatnot. Yeah. And the the movie, or at least you know the Sam Raimi movies, kept that going uh for better or for worse obviously like that's kind of the style they were going for but she is not a character in those movies no not at all (laughs) not at all yeah at least i would argue that mary jane did have a character when they gave her depth like for a while she was the she definitely was the the switcheroo Mm -hmm. and then for a while she was like the party girl who was the contrast to the Gwen Stacy like milk toast bare bones here's a, here's a woman that Peter's in love with because she loves Peter like character right but in the 80s when they were like by the way Mary Jane always knew that Peter was Spider-Man and oh by the way like she comes from this abusive household and her whole like party like facade is actually a facade like sure she's sure. She's, she's actually really like self like destructive and doesn't really like Mm -hmm. believe in herself and all this shit like that that actually is a great retcon of that character gives her depth (laughs) i think later on but you're absolutely right about her like being this kind of like placeholder prop character oh right well and you know eventually she was just around long enough where finally a writer you know after 20 (laughs) years of her being a character was like hey we should actually make her a character you know (laughs) No, but in those movies, like, well, women don't really exactly get a good shake in the Rainbow Spider-Man movies. <laughs> right? Like, they're they're either a prop or a mother figure. Like, that's yeah. that's what you, they got, you know? Yeah. They're a, they're a sex prop or a mother figure. Right. You know, so you don't believe that it's a it was a generic because for me that conversation between them when when they talk about how the how Rosie and Doc Ock met for the first time. Mm-hmm. That she says they met on the college steps. I'm like, okay, the college, right on. And he's explaining the theory of rel- relativity, of relativity, the most basic, I'm a scientist <laughs> thing ever. And she's uh-huh. trying to explain T.S. Eliot at the same time. 
And I'm like, T.S. Eliot, right, because she likes literature. Yes, na- you know, name one literature man. I will name a science thing. Yeah, and like, and I'm like, she's a little, she's a little literature, and I'm a little science, but we make it work. Her and I'm like, okay, movie. I like, guess I see what you're saying about the the content of the conversation. Right. Y- yes, is the most generic it's, ever. It's like they were like, I, I, this is where I want the scene to go, mm-hmm. and they filled it in with generic bullshit. Right, they and were doing they, they were doing mad libs. To actually give them character. <laughs> no, no, but see, like the beyond the content of the conversation, like if you like swap out all they're talking about for just pure gibberish, like turn on turn on Spanish right. uh, when you're watching that movie, what you will see is some amazing acting. Right. And we needed a scene like that to fall in love with Doc Ock before oh, yeah. he turned evil. And so, like, that whole scene, that backstory, like, he's a real person. He has a love interest. The And, and of course, they're at a familial table. You know, like, they're a, a mother and father figure, and Peter doesn't have that in his life. And, you know, we just needed a little bit of grounding for the entire story to work. Oh, and so... So I, I guess I, I'll, I'll put a caveat that, yes, you are correct. It is the most basic of basics. Um, you know, like, it's like, I am a computer engineer, and here's my story of Bill Gates. Right. right. Like, but at the same time, your, your, your <laughs> argument for why it needs to exist. I mean, I, I definitely not, I don't think it needs to be cut or anything. <laughs> it, it just, I, I remember just being like, could we go a little deeper? Like, could we get a little bit more? I don't know. I we're just feel we're like playing. Just... You're playing to the sticks here. You know. Remember, like, you are trying to. You're you're trying to get as many of the audience members on your side as possible. So you got to go way base. That's true. And you know, there there is a reason why, like, everyone on Earth before the MCU came along said Spider-Man Two is the best superhero movie ever made. It's it's just the, it's just the best. It's it, still one of the best. <laughs> it it gets a lot of things right, mm-hmm. and it does that nice thing where it like, I mean it's a it, you know what it is. I would argue it's actually one of the best sequels because it 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 it, gen, it genuinely honors the spirit of the previous while mm-hmm. expanding upon it without like betraying it. There's yes. No big reveal into that was obviously not built into one. <laughs> right, nothing invalidates the first movie. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So it, it works on every level. It plus, really does. Plus Doc Ock's arms are totally sweet. <laughs> oh my god, they're so good. And that, that, that you know, horror scene where they first oh. wake up and murder all the doctors. That is the most self-indulgent, like, okay, okay, well I did the, I did everything else you wanted, but I'm doing my horror movie scene. When, I, when I showed my... I, I showed my kids that movie, and <laughs> after that scene, oh, like no. their faces were like, "What did I just see?" Right. And so I, it was just like, "Wait till you're a couple of years older. We're gonna watch Evil Dead Two, and you're gonna freak <laughs> the fuck out." You're gonna be like, "Oh, I know this scene." <laughs> like Spider Man. Yeah. Oh, uh, God, that's amazing. <laughs> oh, it's it's beautiful, and you know the 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 character arc, the story, the the. Uh, the, the, this one actually does have theming where you know it's it's about Spider-Man. It's it's Batman Forever, right? It's right. it's it's about him choosing a side and deciding Spider-Man, basically. Yeah, I love that you actually liken it to Batman Forever because that really 
despite the fact that like there's nothing in that movie that actually remains that says that like that is Batman Forever. Batman Forever is about Bruce Wayne accepting being Batman. Of of course, it's it's actually like one of it's one of the only Batman movies that actually has a character arc. Yeah, except they uh, never. They, there's no scenes in it that that even contribute to those. Moments. Nope. Like you watch all the deleted <laughs> scenes and you're like, wow, there's a movie in here. But like everything else is just like, what the hell? It's oh right, they they got overtaken by by Jim Carrey and <laughs> Tommy Lee Jones oh. being awful. But no, no, like there, right. there is a hint of a good Batman story in there. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, just presented in the worst possible way. We don't even get like we get the whole scene where Bruce is finding the, his father's journal. We never know what's in the journal in the in the theatrical cut. Like we don't know what the arc is. He's just like oh, I'm Bruce Wayne and Batman. Like okay, good for you. Right. He just tells us, he tells us all like, uh, this is my conclusion. I, it doesn't show any of the work. That's why people invented <laughs> movies. You need, you need movies to be able to tell, not show. You just Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh. Really. They should have just slowly, uh, scrolled some text over the screen. We could have read it. It would have been nice. <laughs> it, just, it just freeze frames over Batman. It says Batman accepts the fact that he is both Bruce Wayne and Batman. And then it cuts like Tommy Lee Jones. Two face fell to his death. Cuts to Robin. Eventually, Robin gets laid. You know, just <laughs> it just ends with one of those like uh, like Breakfast Club type endings. So I guess what I'm saying here is Spider-Man Two is the best version of Batman Forever. Yeah, I think quote that's exactly me on that. Right. That's your clickbait title, right? That's the quick clickbait title. Boom, we did it. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. Oh, man, yeah, Spider-Man Two. Then mm. three happened. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Sure that did happen. happen. And it's funny because I feel like there's a lot more Raimi in there than than we than than you would assume. Like mm-hmm. I feel like there's a lot of stuff in there that Raimi like wanted to do that just gets lost. You know, I I remember having a a, a very uh, in depth conversation with someone right after um, Amazing Spider Man came out. Yeah. And and kind of you know not to gloss over three obviously we'll get to three but we, you we know I gloss over it that'd be fine. <laughs> well, uh, my argument is that Spider Man three is technically a better movie than uh, than the Amazing Spider Man. Okay. Uh, Story wise, you know, like it. It right. has a beginning, middle, and end, and it all works out story wise. Obviously, there is some bad stuff in Spider Man three. Yeah. But it is an actual story. Like, Peter goes through a little arc. Uh, our Hobgoblin character goes through a little bit of an arc. Like, we get... Oh, there is no one who doesn't go through an arc. Except we get some closure like uh, in Spider-Man 3. And I know everyone just wants to point to the dancing montage. I, you know, that's like the least egregious part. That's like, right? for me, like, the, my, my issue with Superman killing Zod is the least egregious issue with Man of Steel for me. Like, that's the thing everyone points to, but like, for me, I'm like, that's the least of the problems well, that, I'm having. Well, that's, that's the button. Like, that's, right. the, that's that, the thing where you can say, oh, this is definitely not good. Right. My suspicions have been validated. Like, I, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and you know, like, the the dancing sequence, uh, you know, it, to me, like it's fun. It's very silly. It's very Sam Raimi. Right. And also, you know, the 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 best justification is, of course, it's exactly what a, a dork like Peter Parker would think is cool. <laughs> exactly. No, like it 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 frustratingly makes sense narratively <laughs> in that story. 
Yes. It's just that it's all, it's, it's so, by the time you get to it, you're like, okay, well, I'm done. Like, <laughs> right. I, we're all done, aren't we? Like, <laughs> Can we be done? Like, at that point, when he, when he whispers into the microphone, let's dig this or something. Yeah. I'm like, okay. I think I can see. It was like um, it was like that moment at the end of V for Vendetta when the detective was like, "I could see all options. I could see where it was going, and I knew all. I knew how everyone felt in that moment." And I'm like, "Yeah, I could see all endings, and I, I I knew what was happening and what was going to happen, and I needed to leave." Well, as you, like you were saying about Spider-Man Two, like uh, the the opposite is true with Spider-Man Three, where it completely invalidates so much of the earlier movie because now apparently Sandman was there to help kill Uncle Ben. Uh, yep. Great, fucking, that's exactly what we needed. That's exactly what yeah, we, we needed. We need to complicate one of the most <laughs> iconic and recognizable origins of all time. That's a perfect way to put it. You just you nailed it so much. <laughs> let's let's muck up the thing that makes our character our character. That's yeah. I don't know why, but like that's a thing people like to do, and I think it's because they like to have their stamp on something mm-hmm. as like never ending as that kind of origin. It was it's like they couldn't avoid doing it in Batman '89, where it was like Batman's parents are killed by a faceless asshole. And so he will punch every asshole because he can make everyone the face of the guy who killed his parents. But then right? like, what if it was the Joker and he could literally kill that one guy? Like, well, then I guess he'll stop being Batman then because the whole thing is about that. <laughs> the whole reason he is Batman is to fight the nebulous idea of crime in general. Exactly. If, if, if he's going after one specific guy, he's done. If he has a name, it's over. We all know it's Joe Chill, but like at the same time, like it's over. It was, and they did it in Batman Begins as well. They're like, they killed him. I'm like, no, he's supposed to just go away. Oh, if man. he can, if he's dead, then you go like, well, that's all the all's well that ends well, and you enjoy your billions of dollars. Like, I don't know, it's the same thing. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, like uh-huh. they they complicate the origin. Like they do a lot of things wrong. Ugh. You know, we talked about how Spider-Man 2, like, the second half kind of becomes a, a melodrama. Mm. That, that moment, or that whole period in, the, in 3, when Harry wakes up, and he becomes, like, super best friend, and, like, flirts with Mary Jane to, like, I don't know, Chubby Checker or Big Bopper or whatever music they're, they're listening to while they're making breakfast, you're like, what the hell has this movie become? Right. Well, and you know, obviously, there's a ton of behind-the-scenes stories and gossip, and you know, just uh, Sam Raimi didn't get to make the movie he wanted to make, and sure. there was a lot of, there was a lot of uh, influence from uh, from Sony and from producers, and so basically, Sam Raimi started fucking around because. <laughs> He's Sam Raimi, and he doesn't really care. He's like, oh, I, I'm contractually obligated to make the movie. You're saying I need to have these things. Well, uh, guess what? do 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 jazz dance. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and so, like, we can all just kind of forget that that movie happened. Yeah. Because, because 2 is so good. Like, 2 is so good that basically we, we give him a free one. Right. You know? You, yeah, especially because it's so disposable. You, you can't you can easily be like oh what there was no three like it ended on that sour <laughs> note Mary Jane realizing her life is over exactly and, and that's it <laughs> and then that's it we don't, we don't have to worry about anything else and uh, and then 
And then comes our friend Andrew Garfield. Yeah, who I argued I liked him as Spider-Man more than Tobey Maguire. Hmm. I liked his quipping. I liked his like his enthusiasm. Mm. Like mm. it seemed by two, it seemed like Toby didn't even want to be there anymore. Which, as I understand, it was pretty accurate. Right. Yeah. Toby does not like the big budget movies. No. Apparently nowadays he doesn't like the any movie, but. You know, that's well, yeah, he's, I mean, but he has Spider-Man money, so he's fine. Yeah, but um, but like I, I kind of dug Andrew Garfield. He's pretty and he skateboards, but like I, I kind of liked, <laughs> I, I kind of liked him a little bit. Like I, I certainly liked his enthusiasm. Him playing as Spider-Man in Amazing Spider-Man, the scene where he's like, really, really like giving it to that mugger, where he's like, "You found my weakness at small knives." I'm like, that's funny. But, like you got me but, there. He, like, uh, he quits more in the first ten minutes than he than than Toby in the entire series. And and while that's true, let's take that you know that scene right there distills a lot of what's wrong with the Amazing Spider-Man yeah. because because yes it's true he quips but let's talk about fundamentally not understanding our character. Do you remember what he was doing as Spider-Man at that time? Yeah, he was trying to hunt down the one guy who killed his uncle. And and so in his mind, this person could be the person that killed Uncle Ben. Right, so he's, like, really giving it to him. <laughs> and he's and he's just fucking around with him. Yeah. Where, like, at that point in the movie, he was on the warpath. He was ready to murder people, but he's just fucking around with the guy who might have killed Uncle Ben. <laughs> yeah, the whole reason he is Spider-Man. Because he's not but, looking for criminals as Spider-Man. He's looking for the one guy with that weird arm tattoo. Exactly. And so, like, basically, uh, much like a lot of this movie, at that point, they just kind of forgot about stuff they oh, set they totally up early. Did. No, you're absolutely right about that. And, like, that, that uh, it was such a, it, it was an emotional experience watching that movie because I got invested several times. Right. You know, like, the movie starts with, with a mystery, like, with his parents and with the formula. And I say, I say to myself, oh, oh, this is going to be, like, like Detective Spider-Man movie. Right. I love that idea. Forgot about it. Forgot about it ten uh -huh. minutes later. And then, and then the movie turns into, like, you know, hunting. Like, very, very low-key, like, you know, Batman year one. We're just going to be, uh, like, lo-fi, hunt the bad guy. That's what this movie is. Perfect. Nope. Forgot about it. Yep. <laughs> we have the lizard, and for me, the end with the cranes. Mm -hmm. I was like, "We're doing this again." Like, this is literally the end of Spider-Man One, where he, where like all of New York throws like traffic cones, the Green Goblin, like right. We're doing this again. Like, does he really need all of New York to like support and love him? Like, he, <laughs> how insecure is this guy? Like, <laughs> well, and it 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 comes out of nowhere. It really like, does. You know that the 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 subway scene, uh, and and you know Spider-Man saving people uh, on the bridge, and the New Yorkers come to his aid. Like that was that felt earned. Yeah. You know, like he was doing stuff to help people, and then you know, like the the people have his back, right? right. The, the, the whole movie's building to that point. Mm -hmm. so, but yes. but the cranes. <laughs> seem like I know like I think early on he saved a crane guy or something yeah, he saved like a crane guy's kid and so he's right. like well then I'm going to help Spider-Man I'm going to pull in every every favor I've ever I've ever built as a crane operator right. and it just so happens that all these crane operators are working right now <laughs> And they happen to be lining up in such a way where all the crane operators who are working right now right. Uh, line up to exactly where Spider-Man needs to go. Though why he needs the crane is 
something I don't quite understand because like he yeah, doesn't need not. the cranes to turn, right? Because he can like whip his spider webs yes. to the buildings that the cranes are already on. Absolutely. Like, well, I think that their justification was like, well, he needs like. <laughs> no, no, go ahead. Yeah, explain it. He's hurt, <laughs> and so he can't swing normally, and the cranes oh. are going to make it easier for him to swing. It's okay. Like, what a crappy plot point. Like, yeah. <laughs> it just doesn't. It's not even like it doesn't make sense. Just it's just who cares? And also, there's the blue laser, and everyone turns into lizard people. Like who? <laughs> Which again, I'm I'm pretty sure the movie forgot about that. Like other people are turning into lizard people. Oh, yeah. Why he wants to turn them into lizard people doesn't make any sense. Uh, Gwen that. Stacy's there. They're they're together. They're not. He promises the dad they won't get together at the end, but oh he, they get together. Nothing matters. Just that's fucking nothing matters. That, that, that's my issue with those movies in general, where it's like no one acts like a human being. Like when, <laughs> when, when Osborne dies and he's like, "Don't tell Harry." Everyone like the theme is like, "Don't tell Harry." Everybody keep yeah. Harry in the dark. Like no one treat Harry like an adult. Mm. Uh, and 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 Peter's like, "You got it. I owe you nothing. You tried to kill me." <laughs> you. you Man who just tried to murder me? Sure, I'll do what you say. Yeah. I, will, I will honor your dying memory at the, at the at great personal expense and at, yeah. the ris- at psychological risking your, your son. And mm. then when his son's like, hey, what the hell happened? He just stands there and looks like confused. And it's like, just say anything. Like anything will, will do. Mm. Literally anything. And then like the dad's like, okay, I'm dying. Never date my daughter. You got it. Like, really? And then at the end of the movie, she's like, she's like, you're never going to date me. And he's like, well, maybe I will. Wink. Well, because what they're trying for is this was obviously a studio note, right? right. Where, where they say, oh, you know, remember in the last Spider-Man movie, one of the big deals was whether or not he could date the girl. Yeah. So put that in somewhere. Yeah. Like, that's it. Like, the this it's it's such a great example of a movie uh, with no captain. Right. You know, there is no clear vision. They are not trying to say anything. They are not trying to do anything. It is a collection of notes that they try desperately to cobble together. It's a Frankenstein. It but is. I will say, Emma Stone, great casting for Mary Jane. Unfortunately, they made her Gwen Stacy for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway... Yeah, um, here's my question. Yeah. Who's your favorite on-screen Spider-Man now? Uh, uh, Tom, Tom Holland. Okay. Me too. <laughs> Yay. Tom. We don't have to argue. Um, uh, Sp- Spider-Man Homecoming. Right. Is the best live-action Spider-Man movie, period. I agree with you at great personal risk next oh. time I go to Comic-Con. Because a lot of people love those Toby movies to the point where they're like, okay, we, we'll all grant it's fun to see Spider-Man and Iron Man interact, but the reality is Tobey Maguire is the best Spider-Man. And I'm like, no. N- uh, for, uh, like, talking Spider-Man alone, no. Like, I can see an argument for, like, his Peter Parker being the best version of what Sam Raimi was looking for. Yeah. I think, like, as as far as collaborators are concerned, like, Toby did to a T exactly what Sam Raimi wanted him to yeah. do. I, I'm not in love with that version of Peter Parker. 
no, I think the best version of Peter Parker and Spider-Man are both Tom Holland. I think so. I, I think he's uh, nailed it. Absolutely. Like, I think you're right that there are there's a, a large audience for the Toby movies that, for some reason, can't get down with Tom Holland. But Homecoming is it, it's it's almost a, a perfect Spider-Man movie. It's yeah. it's exactly what you want in a Spider-Man movie. And you know what? We're going to gloss over Amazing Spider-Man 2 because I've never seen it. Oh, man. You haven't? I haven't. You know why? Because it's awful. I know it's awful. I'm not going to watch it. You know, that's how I feel. People still... I mean, like, people are still telling me to go see Dark Phoenix. Um, Oh, God. (laughs) Well, like, there's something to be said about, like, watching Dark Phoenix now so you can kind of get on the train and poke it with a stick and make fun of it. But Amazing Spider-Man 2 is so far gone now. Like, I never saw it when it came out. I knew it was going to be garbage because, of course, Amazing Spider-Man was garbage. So we're done with it. Spider-Man Homecoming. Yeah. Let's talk about fucking theming. Oh, yeah. (laughs) No. The... It's okay. made by competent people who have a story to tell, but also know how people ex- what people expect from these movies now. Like it's like everyone is on the same fucking page for once. Well, and you know, a lot of that is just where we are in superhero movies now. Like they've they've finally hit their stride. Yeah. They're probably hitting it a little too hard. We got to rein it back a little bit. I think you're right. But but they finally hit their stride where they know what they can get away with uh, technologically. The general audience now kind of, you know, like a superpower used to be almost a sci-fi fantasy thing. Right. But now the general audience understands like, oh, okay, that's his power set. Cool. We're fine. Right. But who is he, though? Like, they care about the co- about the person who has the powers now. It's not right. about an excuse to see those powers on screen. Well, I, like, I think a lot of the early days of comic book movies, like, they were so worried about the general audience just not getting the power thing. You know, like, we're, we're used to Arnold Schwarzenegger running around with a gun and being a big, strong man because he looks like a big, strong man. Yeah. But now if someone's really strong because a spider bit them once, mm-hmm. like, that gets into weird sci-fi territory, right? Yeah, absolutely. But now general audiences kind of are in on it. Yeah. Well, they, and so they can concentrate on the character. It also helps that we've never seen it in this movie. Like, you don't, he just <laughs> has them. Right. We never got a scene where the where a spider, whether it's irradiated or genetically enhanced, bites him and the venom intertwines with his DNA and it becomes like a kind of body horror moment, even if it doesn't mean to be. Right. Just because right. of the visualization of a spider biting a man and the man getting changed as a result. We don't have that, so we can skip past it, so there's there's never a moment where Spider Man mm-hmm. becomes like a creepy the fly esque character. Right, right. Well, and you know, to to, I can see a possible downside of this. It's not one for me personally, but I know a lot of people do complain that we don't have a complete uh, origin story as far as you know, like the powers are concerned, and as far as Uncle Ben is concerned. Agree. And I, I think that's a fair argument. I think they're going a, a different way with this Spider-Man. Yeah. And I'm okay with it. You know, like he he had his little thing in uh, in Civil War, right? Right which was our introduction to the Spider-Man, where, you know, it was, it was very gen- generic and very just, you know, if, if what, what was it? If you can see, if a bad thing's going to happen and you can stop it and you don't, then you kind of help it happen. Yeah. And it's like, oh, that, that is a perfect distillation of, 
great of power. his origin and Uncle Ben and great power. Right. But we don't get that. So, like, why he wants to become a superhero is a little bit in the air. But, of course, that's what Homecoming's all about. Right. It is, like, is him, like, why do you want to help people? Like, do you just want to help people to be an Avenger, to be with the big boys? Like, what's your whole deal? And they spend the movie figuring that out. Yeah. Well, and it's great. Yeah. The... the, the um Spider-Man, uh, we've said this, actually, I said it on the last episode we did, but, like, with Spider-Man, his first issue has the Fantastic Four on the cover. Like, he, mm-hmm. Spider-Man's always existed against larger, more well-known superheroes, mm-hmm. and him finding his own niche as a result, or through it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so, people's argument against it, where they're like, Iron Man's too much in it, he wants to be Junior Iron Man, you know, far from home, it's gonna be more of the same. I'm like, no, 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 no. You're, you don't, you don't understand. He is learning about being a superhero by watching what other superheroes, successful superheroes, who don't have to hide, <laughs> like who, who are insulated by money yes. and power, get to be. And he's got to like he's like the the Garage Band version of that. <laughs> oh my God! Yes, like some of my favorite Spider-Man stories are when he's paired up with other superheroes like yeah. you know there were there was an amazing uh, two three issues of ultimate spider-man where it's him and wolverine oh no were they split bodies no no i don't think they flip bodies like wolverine just kind of stumbles into uh into his life and so he just helps wolverine out mm-hmm. and and you know my my favorite spider-man thing in general is when he's in over his head yeah it, like, because that's what he's all about. He wants to be at the next level, but he is not. Like, he is not a he is not a, a space a god tier superhero. He's a yeah. street level superhero, but he he's always on that edge. Yeah. And, and he, uh, yeah, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say just his powers, while superficially are awesome and like infinitely more, you know, constructive, destructive than like we can we are capable of being as regular people mm-hmm. comparatively they're on the low end of the spectrum or at least they they look that way superficially yeah so like it's easy to if spider-man lives on his own yeah he's amazing he's the he's this universe of superman but in the world <laughs> where th- there are like captain marvels and iron man and ca- even captain americas who can like mm-hmm. pull helicopters and like and inspire millions over a radio like <laughs> Spider-Man is kind of weak tea and yeah he or at least he feels that way and so it's it's it allows you to have smaller stake stories despite his like higher stake powers and it's like yeah no well I, that, I, yeah. that that's exactly what we need he he's a superhero that exists in a universe with other superheroes and and so you know just giving him those things that he wants to be he does he does want to be iron man he right. sees what iron man can do he sees what captain america can do he wants to be there and like that the, the, one of the greatest things about homecoming is the lesson he learns is i'm not there yet yeah and and that is so perfect and like not just the theming with like kind of where he is in the marvel cinematic universe but just him as a kid yeah you know, Toby obviously was a grown ass man when he was Spider Man. <laughs> exactly. But but even even like let's buy into the fantasy. Toby was was a college age kid. Yeah. Tom Holland is a high schooler, and it's it's that he's at that age where like kids are trying to figure out how to be an adult yeah. and how to be a kid. Like I don't know if you ever saw um you ever see the movie Lady Bird? Oh no. I... You, 
I know what you're talking it's about. Fantastic. It's fantastic. It's 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 very similar. Like you know, stri- uh, strip out all the superpowers, and it's very very similar movie. Just about <laughs> a a high schooler who wants to be an adult but isn't ready to be an adult yet. Okay. And and so like we we get a ton of that in Homecoming, and we get a ton of like these decisions like do I go to the cool party and help my friend or do I go help you know I see an explosion down the street how do I deal with that leading to one of the best scenes in a superhero movie bar none which is his two lives coming together he has to deal with a very mundane high school age thing which is meeting your date's dad yes that they weave into his superhero story. Yeah. Boom. I could ever wrote that needs a raise right now. Yeah. I didn't see that coming, and I'm like, <laughs> and I know all this shit. So I'm like, I'm in the theater. They open the door, and I'm gasping along with the rest of the audience, like, oh! I can't believe I didn't see that coming. And and, and it works. And it works. And, and it's not like it's not a cheat. It's not like, oh, he's actually, you know, blah, like, mm-hmm. oh, no, I'm, I'm going to memento this up. Like, no, it's, <laughs> holy shit. <laughs> and it works because they, they tie it into something so mundane. We have all been there meeting our girlfriend's dad, and it is always uncomfortable. Right. Like, they tied it into something so real and so mundane with this superhero twist where there is an incredible amount of tension. And, you know, of course, uh, you know, uh, oh, fuck, uh, Michael Keaton, thank you. <laughs> Michael Keaton is so phenomenal as an actor that he just brings that weight with him. Yeah. But but the the idea of, of mixing everyday problems with the superhero problems yeah. is is the core of Spider-Man. Yeah. No, it is. You know? Uh, the <clears throat> it's interesting how the movie does play with subtlety. Like, with, with the original, he loses Uncle Ben in a tragic, tear-jerking, actual scene where we watch Uncle Ben die. Mm-hmm. But we're looking at a Peter Parker who... That's already happened. But we're watching a kid who has lost his father figure try and figure it out in the dark gets a new father figure and immediately gravitates towards that like I feel like I think he said he had his, he got his powers for six months in Civil War so like he's had his powers his mm-hmm. Uncle Ben died six months ago right so he is emotionally vulnerable and <laughs> you know if you're thinking yeah. about the stage of grief and stuff like that you're thinking about this kid who's like going through loss and it's like he might not have actually even really dealt with his uncle ben's death he just knows his uncle ben said something inspirational at one point he used it as a guiding star for himself but the reality is he's also been watching iron man and hulk like punch things in the, on tv and so that's yeah. kind of awesome too and when he finally gets their attention now he's like oh i can finally do that and Iron Man must have been a, an inspirational character for him because it's like a nerd who built shit, you know, mm-hmm. became this thing. When he beco- when he when he when he ascribes his father figure to Tony Stark, you know, it, it's not him necessarily like, forgetting about Uncle Ben, which is a lot of the people's like complaint where they're like, what, oh. what the hell? You replaced Uncle Ben with with Tony Stark? It's like, yeah, he's dead. That, which is something that happens in real life, exactly. and you know it, it could have you know dangerous side effects if right. if the person you start emulating is dangerous, or it can have positive side effects. And really, like that's that's a, a lot 
of this movie is he he wants to be at that level. Yeah. Which is also just a very kid thing. And a kid at any age likes to believe that they're a few years older or, or just as smart or and mature as the kids a few years older, right? Exactly. That's such a perfect kid thing. Like, I can handle this. I can... Def- I can make my own breakfast. I can go down the stairs by myself. All the things kids do, like, that's Spider-Man just on, on a superhero level. Like, yeah. oh, of course I can be an Avenger. I helped fight Captain America. Duh. Yeah, I, I, I can stop bank robbers. Everything's fine. Yeah. But what he doesn't recognize, what, the, what they and he don't recognize is, like, how insulated they were by their authority <laughs> figures. Like... In the Civil War situation, I remember, I think he says it in Infinity War or something, where he's like, I don't remember which movie it was, Homecoming or, or, or Infinity War, where he says, like, I fought Captain America. And he's like, if Cap wanted you to, like, if Cap wanted to take you down, he would have. Right. Like, th- when, we, when you were in the Civil War, no one was trying to kill you. Mm. Like, that was a very, very low-stake situation. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, it's don't, that don't kind of thing. Ability. Um, <laughs> well, and and that's like the, the the joy of the movie. Right, it is like at the, finally at the end of it, like we, you know, even though like all of us at, at watching it are hoping he gets to join the Avengers, like as a character, he says, "I am definitely not ready yet." Yeah, yeah. And you know, it'll it'll be really interesting to see where they go with this in Far From Home. Yeah, obviously, like you know. The, they'll probably do a little bit of like cleanup as far as the unsnap is concerned. Spoiler alert! Yeah, um, oh, no, I'm sure everybody <laughs> watching this knows about the snapping and unsnapping. Yeah, uh, oh, no, but, I'm sure. Yeah, but you know, like besides that, I think you know it, it, something you you talked about was like him trying to learn from you know these older, more established superheroes and still finding his own path. Yeah. What I'm hoping as far as Far From Home is concerned, is that Nick Fury tries to take him down a darker path. Yes. You know, like Weapon X style, like we need your powers to do some messed up stuff, and he hopefully, and you know, I, who knows what the movie's going to be, but you know, like hopefully like it'll be him finding his own path. That's, that, I, I think it's the same director, they're, they're making the same, like, creative decisions I feel like mm-hmm. and I've heard good things about it I'm not going to spoil anything because I haven't heard any of them but uh, <laughs> it feels like thematically it's going to make sense and that everyone's going to behave the way that you would expect or at the very least the way they would as those characters are portrayed mm-hmm. and I like the idea of like a Peter who now you know in in, 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 in Homecoming he's like I'm ready and then realizes I'm not mm-hmm. and in this one it's like they're the tw- the training wheels are off. Yeah, and he's like, I have to, I have to actually, it uh, the days of learning, like taking, you know, learning bumper sticker quotes and applying them to my <laughs> superheroism, mm-hmm. are over. I actually have to live it now. There right. is no one who's going to catch me. Well, and you know, just from the trailers, we're we're probably also going to get a little bit deeper into the dual life thing. Oh, definitely. You know, because you know, the, in the trailer, he's talking about, no, I'm just here on vacation. I'm not bringing the suit. Oh, Nick Fury's here. Yep. And so, like, you know, we're gonna start. Not, we we have such a good base yeah. with him as a character, where now we can start dealing with a little more of the melodrama stuff, which I'm, I'm okay with, and. Yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm very excited to see where this is going to go, and, uh, or, or where this is going to go, and 
And, uh, and yeah, just I'm, I'm super thrilled. We're right now, as Spider-Man fans, we, we are living in a fantastic time. That's right. Because we have Tom Holland, we have um, the Spider-Verse. Oh, which, which is so good. Which is it's it's one it's oh so good. <laughs> I'm, I'm flabbergasted constantly by how good it is, and every time I rewatch it, it's even better. And you know, like yep. uh, a lot of people will say, oh, you know, like do you, do you like uh, Homecoming or, or Spider Verse better? And you know, obviously they're you can't compare them they're because one's gorgeous. animated. Yeah. And you know, because it's animated, it gets style points that yeah. that Homecoming can't have. Like it's such a unique vision yes um but you know even like you know miles has a, has a wonderful character but even peter parker in that universe uh peter uh b peter parker b. parker yeah peter b parker is like that's exactly the correct way to make a, an older peter parker yeah that, <laughs> that may be my favorite on-screen peter parker now is peter b parker sure sure I mean, it's, it's amazing. It makes sense thematically. It makes sense for the character. I like where it's like, I'm 34. Like, I'm done. <laughs> I did all these things. Like, where he's he's so good at it, but it's like, it's it's like I don't want to be, and like, mm-hmm. I don't think about it. You know, like, I, he wouldn't even, he wouldn't categorize it as being good. He'd just be like, whatever. Like, <laughs> it's, it's like all of us who, who, who decided to turn our passion into our day job. And it's like, yes. oh, now I have to work. Oh. Oh, no, literally. Like, yeah, like when, it, like, I, I talk about comics on the internet for a living, which is like a thing I need to remind myself is fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, because if I don't, I'm going to be like, yeah, fuck. Like, when I go to comic book stores, I run into people who are like, hey, you want to talk about Spider-Man? I'm like, I mean, I do, like, every day. <laughs> you know, I've had this conversation a hundred times. I'm happy to have it, and like, it is, it is, a, it is a treasure. But like, you know, I would love to talk about like the capital gains tax or like what's going on in, in the Congress right now. In the world, right? Just you know, we can talk about not comic book stuff for a little bit. Well, I mean, like, like, I, yeah. but, I, but I love it. I live it, breathe it, need it. But like, it's you know. But I, I, I sympathize with uh, with Peter. In that well, that, and you know, like that's a great way to come from it as a character. As we have, you know, as we have Miles, who who is his own beast, but is also, you know, a a Peter Parker analog. You know, like he's he's like Peter Parker in many ways, but not that Peter Parker, and he's his own thing. And so it was it was a, a beautiful way to bridge the two characters. Yeah. Well, and I mean, like the the use of Miles is great. The exploration of Miles' character, you know he's going to be a very different Spider-Man, mm-hmm. and you and it's not, it, it, and it's and it's entirely earned. Like it, it's it's a great, it's almost like they did it on purpose. How brilliant it is, where like Miles Morales actually will become an equally good but di- but entirely distinctly different Spider-Man. Exactly, and, and so uh, cool. And and which of course is that's just the theme of the whole movie. And you know, a lot a lot of the stuff we're talking about with Homecoming can be applied to this, where you know uh, a, a lot of the early movie, uh, especially visually, is is literally Miles trying to be the other Spider-Man. You know, yep. even down to his shabby fake costume. That's that that, <laughs> that moment where he gets the costume. It's a Stanley. It's I think one of Stanley's last uh, cameos in terms of like when he was alive he recorded that panel oh yeah um but it's for me it's funny because it's almost one of the most honest cameos of stanley's career 
Uh, I love Stanley, and I, I like I you know I'll, I'll be the first one to sing his praises. But but he was a businessman. He was a businessman. He says he says it always fits eventually, and he's got the sorry no refunds right next to him. Like it's so great where he's like. You know, it, it's something. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a way of making you think you're being inspired, and then you realize it was like you were sold to. <laughs> yes, yeah. That's so great, and he says it in a way where you know he knows what he's saying, and you're like, God, that's. They, like, so many times Stanley shows up, and he's like, I'm just saying some stuff, but like in this one, he's like, he knows what he's saying, and he's saying it with like conviction, and you're like, Oh, that's that's almost dark. How cool, how, how how real that was. <laughs> Uh, they they ride they ride a good line in into the Spider Verse. Yeah, they really do. It's well, genius. and you know we have that and and the I don't know how much you've had a chance to play the the Spider Man PS4 game. I've I've beaten it twice because the <laughs> because my PlayStation erased my game. Oh no! Halfway through my DLC, so I had to replay the whole hmm. thing and then beat the DLC. Uh, let me put it this way: they could never make a sequel. And only release DLC until the end of time, and I'd be totally happy. You you don't have to update the engine. You don't need to nope. change a thing. Just keep giving me stories to play. I will buy every single one That's of them. That's it. I'm, I'm, I'm really worried that they make a sequel because they might because there's too much opportunity for them to go like, well, let's improve the swinging. Like no, right. Let's nothing. Put in a car. Like nothing. No. <laughs> uh, spider buggy. Yeah, he needs a spider buggy. buggy. No, no, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. the uh, The only time in that movie that I took the the subway, which is their fast travel system, oh, yeah. uh, was after I noticed that you can get an achievement for taking the fast travel system. So then I, I used the subway once, <laughs> and never I swung everywhere else because it felt so amazing. It's always but, rewarding, Even and, like, all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, you know, like they do a really great job. Uh, you know, something we talked about earlier is like the best Spider-Man is when he's in over his head, yes. and you know, you're you're on your way to the mission, and you get stopped a dozen times because there are petty crimes everywhere. It's very, very Spider-Man. But even gameplay aside, which the gameplay is Incredible. perfect and spot on and absolutely wonderful, the story of the game yeah. is th- this is my favorite version of a mature Spider-Man. Yeah. Why, why don't, and I don't know why they don't do this for more superheroes, why isn't their day job working for a charity? Right. As soon as he, Spider-Man, you know, he volunteers at a food charity just helping people because that's the kind of person he is. Yeah, that, so. they, 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 that is directly from the comics, too. The idea that Aunt May helps, like, the Martin Leake Aunt May thing mm-hmm. is straight out of the comics, which I surprised a couple of people I know where they were like, I literally thought Mr. Negative was created for the video game. And I'm oh. like, no, no, he's from the comics. It's a real thing. <laughs> like, a lot of that is mm. is, is, is organic story stuff that really exists that like you wouldn't know because it works so well in this context of just the con- of it, just the video game. Oh really? Yeah. Well and you know it's been I am I'm I'm, behind, I'm super behind on on oh, modern right. Spider-Man comics cuz I remember after Superior Spider-Man yeah. he started his own uh, industry that was very successful. Uh-huh. Parker That's Industries. Cool. Oh yeah. <laughs> God damn it. Uh, he, the person who wrote it didn't believe like, I mean like he created the idea but he's like well he doesn't deserve it and he shouldn't even really be having it so like that's how we're gonna approach it oh man um, no it's a whole thing his, his life basically collapses and then 
uh, oh, he great. left the book, and then the new guy's taken over, and he's doing his own thing with it. But uh, sure, you know, uh, the Aunt May thing. Uh, well, they're well, we're we're going in different directions with Aunt May too. So oh, oh, good. <laughs> she has cancer, oh, and we'll see what happens. But oh, jeez. Uh, well, and Aunt May as a character is is someone. I I I I really don't like OG Aunt May. Yeah. Yeah. You know, always, always helpless, always fainting at the idea of anyone throwing a punch at her boy. I've, I have never connected with that Aunt May, and so nope. you know, like I'll, I'll take Marissa Tomei even as a non-character. Right. I feel bad. Uh. She's. You know, she's got a couple of deleted scenes where she's like great, because it's Marissa Tomei. She is great. She's great, and like, but she doesn't do anything in no. Homecoming, and no. she doesn't do anything in, in, uh, in. I mean, well, and I guess she's not even in. She's in Civil War for a half a second, yeah. but uh, you know, I, I uh, Ultimate Spider-Man's version of Aunt May as more of you know, like an uh, an older lady, sure, but someone who is active and can cope with the world around her is a, a much more interesting character. Oh, yeah. Ant-Man therapy in Ultimate Spider-Man is amazing. That mm-hmm. character, and where she goes, where she ends up, like, before Miles shows up, but, like, before things don't work out for Peter, mm-hmm. like, it's it's incredible. Like, her her journey in the Ultimate mm-hmm. Universe. In the regular universe, it's only until, like, I think the mid-90s when they finally, like, get... it's They decided to kill her off, and <laughs> in the issue where she dies... <clears throat> She uh, she reveals I've always known you were Spider Man, right? And it's so rewarding and like it's a straight up retcon because you're like, nope, <laughs> no. I've seen oh. your thought bubbles, you didn't. But uh, <laughs> then why were you why were you so worried anytime you saw Spider Man on the screen that he was right. going to rob you? Right? Yeah, yeah. Again, Aunt May has a character, and you know Peter Parker, at, like he he's that lovely version of Peter Parker where I think they get kind of his social status his class status if you will you know as someone who doesn't care about money and it shows because he lives in poverty yes <laughs> well because he's just like i well that's you know what it is that's like a he is a he's like a kind of like real fun millennial new yorker who's like <laughs> i figured it out like i you don't need to be rich to enjoy the city mm-hmm. and you know, it has like I, my metabolism is supercharged because of the spider bite, so I can eat pizzas without like a problem. It's the cheapest food in the world. <laughs> I'm I'm good, you know. Right, and like there, there's a couple you know segments in the game, and I know they do this in the comics and everything, where he he almost like lives off of a barter system with different street vendor who yeah. he's helped out. Exactly. You know, it, it reminds me very much of. Uh, uh, like the Terry Pratchett witch universe, where where witches aren't allowed to get paid for their services, mm-hmm. but if you want to give them something nice, like a sandwich, they'll yeah, they'll take it. Yeah, <laughs> they'll take it. But you, you can never, as a witch, you can never ask for payment, but you will accept gifts. Right. Okay. And so, like, that's very Spider-Man, where like he could never, and you know, he knows that was the, the big lesson: is you can't charge. For your services, yeah. but if someone wants to give you a free hot dog, you'll take it. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. A, I'm not beyond a free turkey dog. Like, I'm in. Uh, but no, you're right. I, it's a lived-in universe that mm-hmm. works on every level because, like, care, thought, and 
a direction was put into it. Right. Well, and you know, for the for the Spider-Man game, a uh, spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't played it, I was genuinely surprised that we were uh, getting Doc Ock. Really? Uh, well, you know, I I'm a very slow gamer. Uh, notoriously slow gamer. I love to do all the side missions, and then when I'm done with all the side missions, maybe I'll do the main story just so I can get more side missions. I, that's that's my the thing I love the most. Yeah, I hear you. <laughs> and so you know, like Daka or, or you know uh, Octavius was a character, right? And and so obviously, like I know who Octavius is, but I assumed that they were going to save him for sequel or for DLC. Yeah. Is we just get a nice little nod to someone who eventually will be a villain? Well, especially because how much buildup there is. Like there's so much where mm-hmm. it's like each facet of Ock becoming Ock is like <laughs> it, it, it is delivered to you in such, like, small chunks throughout yes. the game. You're like, we're, if, if he becomes... It, it's almost like... But it works. This is actually successful, because when Otto becomes Ock, I think it's earned. I like it. I think it works mm-hmm. really well. It's similar to... It reminds me of the, the origin of Two-Face in Dark Knight, where you're like... Where I'm like, whoa, whoa, slow down. You gotta save Two-Face for the next movie. <laughs> it's not like they're just gonna cram him at the, into like the last half of the third act. Oh, they did? Oh, oh that's what they did. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. and then they killed him cool. <laughs> like, right. But it's a video game, so we get him for a few hours instead of the 20 minutes that we get Two-Face, exactly. right? so it's totally worth it. Like... Mm-hmm. Oh, no, it, and it just like, it, it reinvigorated the second half of the game. Yeah. Where, where all of a sudden, like, you know, every, all the little pieces start to make sense as, as far as, like, what we're learning about him as a character. And, and, and we get a ton of that really great uh, mentor-mentee relationship where, uh, you know, much like we talked about kind of with other movies, yeah. Dr. Octopus or, or uh, Dr. Octavius is Peter Parker. is just someone who's passionate about science right. and about helping people. Well, and he's, it raises the stakes in a big, bad way for that game. Because mm-hmm. at first you're like, okay, like, there's no, there's, there's no real direct personal stakes. Like, mm-hmm. the, the city's in trouble, Mary Jane's in trouble, but, like, at the end of the day, his personal life is safe so long as he is Spider-Man. Now, right. Doc Ock is the problem. <laughs> and that's yes. really cool. Like, yes. That's oh, so smart. Um, and, by, and speaking of Mary Jane, hey, she has a character. Yeah, it's. I, I remember a lot of people, like pissing and moaning about her, because they're. And I think it really is just because, like, well, wait a minute, she's doing too much in this game. <laughs> and like, like, like yeah, oh, you know what? wait a minute, she's a real person who does stuff on her own. What? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, 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 listen, is there a precedent for Mary Jane becoming a? a um, a, a newspaper reporter. Not really. It's a little bit in Ultimate Spider-Man at the end. She says she wants to become um, a reporter. Okay. They say that in a Spider-Man comic, so you can kind of say that there's some justification. Yeah. But, no. That being said, what else are you going to do with her? Ex- exactly. Like, the, they went Lois Lane with her. Yeah. Which, which, which works, by the way. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I'm not going to complain. She's, she has something to do. I, I was actually, I, yes. I was not in an argument, but more in like a discussion with, with, with somebody a couple days ago where they were like annoyed at her character because like she would constantly get herself into trouble, insist she can handle it, get saved by Spider-Man, and then get mad at him for it. <laughs> and, she, and he's like, what kind of character is that? And I'm like, that's called a person. 
um, people are like that a lot. Could it be possible that she's angry that she had to be saved and she's taking it out on him? Like, Could it be possible that they have a past where their relationship hasn't really worked out and some of that's carrying over into now, which is uh, what happens in the story of the game? Exactly. Like, maybe yeah. Don't assume the people who are making this game are frauds for just a second and mm-hmm. then think about it actually in the narrative. And I think you'll find there's something there. I mean, like, if if you if you're if you're not convinced, play the DLC and look at the relationship between Peter and Black Cat, Mm -hmm. and how like real that is. I don't know. Oh yeah, loved it. Oh, I played all the DLC. I, like I, I loved the, the, the game. I, I'm, I'm usually not a, a, a super big uh, story person as far as games are concerned. Yeah. I, I much prefer the gameplay. But here was one where, like you said, uh, they acted l- like how real people would act, yeah. and they did things that I would have wanted them to do as superheroes or as reporters. Uh, you know, Miles' uh, character felt a little tacked on. Did I was surprised I, when when Miles was introduced so early on in the game, mm-hmm. I was like, "Oh no, are they going to kill <laughs> Peter at the end of this game?" <laughs> right. <laughs> like I really felt like that. So now I'm convinced. Spider-Man Two, they're definitely going to kill Peter at the end of that game. Oh, I I, I hope not. Like, I hope not I, too. I, was it was it one of the um was it one of the dream sequences where we got like invisibility powers where like they're they're basically already testing out how you can what i can only assume like is a miles dlc which i'm very okay with right um but but yes like him as a character they they did a lot of really good setup as far as like him want like what he wants but then they just never went anywhere with it he's a yeah which you know, like there, there's a lot happening. There's a lot of characters. You can't, you can't get everyone in. So hopefully he'll get a more complete story next time. Yeah. Uh, and I'm, I just, I'm I just hope they make another game. <laughs> and half right. of the game, you're going to take over as Miles, and that's going to be the end of it. Yeah. Uh, who, who knows? I don't even know if they're making another one. I hope they are. I mean, like, I think it did really well. I, mm. I think it's frustrating. It used to be, it, regardless of how a movie or a video game did. You weren't sure if they were going to make another one. Nowadays, it's like, well, the Meg made money, so you know Meg 2 is coming. Like, you know they're going to make a sequel <laughs> if it made any profit. Like, any right. profit, boom, sequel. Mm-hmm. So, like, I feel like there's no way they won't make Spider-Man 2. Though, I had the same thing with Arkham City, though, where I was like, okay, you nailed it. All I want is DLC. Just just open up more of the city or, or add more villains. I'm yeah, down. Yeah. I'm in. That's all I want to do is just be Batman and fly around the city. All I want to do is play this game. Mm-hmm. I want. To, I just want more of an excuse to play the game. The screwball challenges made me like crazy in my head, but when I figured it out, they were yes. they were fun as hell. Well, and, and I, I don't know if that's how they how they work screwball in the comics, just because I'm I'm, I'm out of touch with like the comics. Like, afterthought practically like don't yeah don't, I would, well I, I like the idea of a villain as a streamer I think that's I think that's perfect like her her yeah. shenanigans because she's hoping for an audience is pitch perfect as far as an update to a character goes oh, yeah it's a great concept it's a great <laughs> modern concept that doesn't feel like stupid like or feel yeah. like feel dated right right well it's like now like we have new things now and so this isn't just this isn't just i'm trying to think of like a character that got updated um and they they basically just like slapped a computer on them (laughs) (laughs) 
I mean, like they did. I remember. Um, okay, here. There's a, like a. This is a very tangential example, but during the Clone Saga, they killed off Doc Ock, mm-hmm. and they replaced him with a woman who got Doc Ock arms, but also operates in virtual reality. Oh, oh. It was 95, so their grasp on virtual reality was, of course, pitch perfect. Uh, it was very sure. much a reboot. Uh, or, oh, you know, another good example, even though I didn't see it, is uh, is the rhino. Is yeah. You know, it's it's not a guy in, in a big suit. It's a guy with, like, a mech. Like, yeah. that's kind of weird. But, like, that's, like, an okay update. But, but here, like, this gives her a villainous reason you know it gives her a reason to be a villain scornerball oh no the the streamer mm. angle hasn't been played up yet enough i have mm. a i have a pitch written on my phone it just says good fellas but it's a youtuber <laughs> and it because that is a movie like scorsese could make and it would it would just because i'm like i'm watching these you know these like 22 year olds who have i don't know 300 million dollars and they're like i'm going insane Right, <laughs> and then they get into shenanigans, just hoping to keep it coming. Like, oh, how about we'll show dead bodies now? Great. Like, well, and it's like it's because a nineteen-year-old shouldn't have two hundred million dollars. Like, because right. that's exactly what would happen if a nineteen-year-old had had tens of millions of dollars and no impunity. Like, are you kidding me? Exactly. It's a fascinating story if it weren't real and I'm existing on it. Like, ugh. right? Like, what, what are we dealing with now with uh, the the, str- the the streamer who like just went into a bathroom with a camera? I know. And, and Twitch is like, I'm thinking he can have like a 24 hour ban. What do you think? About yeah, that? like we're definitely gonna slap him on the ri- wrist for showing a child in, in a bathroom. bathroom. What's wrong? Like that, you pr- should probably be arrested for that. That's straight up. That, yeah, that that should be like. Like, like, you know what? Forget what Twitch is going to do. Like, just make yeah. sure that the law in that state does right. what it's supposed to do. <laughs> like, because treat it like it wasn't streaming. Treat it like it was just an adult man in a bathroom <laughs> taking photos of a child in the bathroom. Because that's exactly what it was. Yeah. But uh, so yeah, I guess I, I see what you're saying is like that 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 is a good concept just for a general like a descent into madness and chaos and greed movie. Yeah, but like it's a great superhero angle to be like, mm-hmm. how about it's a streamer who just goes totally supervillain with it? Like, yeah, yeah. genius. I don't know if like, <laughs> I don't, I don't know if they'd wear the unitard. But <laughs> <laughs> well, they would have you know they would have some sort of stupid outfit that oh, they started wearing ironically, uh, but now have to wear because it's part of their uniform. Much like that streamer who went into the bathroom. <laughs> That's true. You know what? All right. You know, maybe, maybe the 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 uniform that she wears hmm. is an evolution. Like it started with just a helmet. Yeah. And it just goes and it was on. Just, oh, it was just a, it was a joke. It was making fun of other streamers, but now they have to do it. Yeah. But you know what it is? The, the, the jumpsuit is actually, it's, it's sponsored content. That was sent from Puma. And they yes. were like, you got to wear our jumpsuits in every one of your streams and you'll make like $1,000 a video. <laughs> uh, YouTube culture is interesting and also disgusting. <laughs> it's kind of well, cool. but I mean, that's like the world, too. Right. right? Yeah, everything <laughs> it's, is. It's, really it's interesting and kind of disgusting. <laughs> yeah. But, but you know, the good, the good thing is we get some quality Spider-Man. We, we have some, some people who are in charge of the property who know what makes the character tick. And they're 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 hitting that those core notes, and you know, like we we've seen it so often in other superhero properties, where 
the, the, the creative force behind it wants to go in a new direction or just completely misses the point of why this is an iconic character in the first place, I am definitely looking at Zack Snyder and Superman. Oh, right. I mean, <laughs> well, it, Zack Snyder, I mean... That's right. a whole show. I You're right, but but I, I guess what I'm saying is like we know there are people who have gotten it wrong. Yes, they've even gotten it wrong with, with Spider-Man. But we have uh, we we have at least three examples of modern Spider-Man adaptations that are just killing it. And so all we can hope for is that they make enough money to make more of them. Yeah. Well, and not but not too much money where the people who pay them that money say, well, okay, now it can't fail, so I have to get involved. <laughs> because for some reason, that is exactly what happens, is that, like, you give an indie creator some money, a little bit of money, and they do something brilliant and beautiful with it, and they go, okay, well, now i got to protect that investment by right. getting involved. And exactly. And then they wonder why it totally shits the bed. Like, I don't know. <laughs> Despite the ocean of mediocrity slash garbage there is, in in recent years, we have three <laughs> very recent years. Yeah, in like the most recent examples we have mm. are positive and of high quality in terms of art and like media. Like it's 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 pl- it's not just like Spider Man the PS4 game is a well executed game, but the story is garbage. But who cares mm. because the game's so good? Like no, it's a it's a brilliant marriage of character and function. And, and they somehow, like, with all these things, with, with Homecoming, with Spider-Man PS4, with, uh, with uh, Into the Spider-Verse, yeah. they have found a way to both stay true to what made us all love Spider-Man in the first place while finding their own voice. Because yes. e- each, each of those three things have a very unique character story to tell. Yeah. While also remaining true to this, this idea of, like... Someone who wants to do good things, but doesn't quite know how to yet. Right. Brilliant. <laughs> it's great. And it's great. Yeah. Great time to be a Spider-Man fan. It, 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 yes. Because here's the thing. You know, when I was a kid trying to grab any Spider-Man media, I could. You know, I had very small, very slim pickings. Mm-hmm. And I, like, rose-tinted glasses because I was just happy to have anything. Now you have it all. Like... <laughs> If you loved Into the Spider-Verse, you'd be like, "What are they? why are they pointing like that? Go watch 1964 Spider-Man, the animated series, and see how long you can watch it. Right. Um, and, and then go down the rabbit hole. Watch the 81 cartoon. Watch His Amazing Friends. Like, see mm-hmm. where it came from and what missteps were taken. Because but you are, cool. you have the good stuff too. But yeah, then you can you can enjoy you know enjoy the little the uh, the filtered version yeah. of the garbage that we had to get through. You literally have it all. You mm-hmm. can ha- you have the good and the bad, and you can pick and choose. You could say like, oh well, I only like Spider Man two from the Raimi movies, but I really like far, you know Far From Home, and you know I like this game, and that's the only game I like. But you know, because there have been many Spider Man video games. I don't know how mm-hmm. many you've played, but. I've played most of them. <laughs> I was going to say, I've played a bit of them all. I remember, like, the the, the first Spider-Man game based off of the Tobey Maguire movie. I remember loving, um, but I'm sure, in hindsight, it's terrible. <laughs> I believe Spider-Man 2 is considered, like, the gold standard for web swinging until PS4. 
Until PS4. I, I he, Oh, and you know what? I did play Spider-Man 2, and, uh, because you can choose whether you want, like, the assisted web swinging that you got in the Spider-Man 1 game, or the special Spider-Man swinging, and I hated the special Spider-Man <laughs> swinging. I, I understand what they were going for, but I fucking... That was way too much work. Yeah. I, I just want to swing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, and the only thing I remember about the first game is that uh, after you beat it, if you beat it, like... I forget, in so much time or in so many points, you could then replay the game as the Green Goblin. <laughs> I don't remember that part. That's awesome. And, and you know, of course, the Green Goblin has bombs and bullets, and so, like, you're going through these sections where you're literally, like, flying your glider through um, ductwork and then, like, just <laughs> bombing the bad guys. <laughs> It was fant- It was a fantastic, like goofy, cathartic thing, and of course, uh, Bruce Campbell like does all the tutorials. Yes. He voices all the tutorials. Yeah, where he's like jump and then jump again. I don't know how it works. <laughs> Great. Yeah. So I I remember that. Like, there's there are some decent ones out there. Um, yeah. Yeah. I liked. Yeah. The, there was a the Activision Spider-Man game from 2000 was awesome when I remembered, like, when I played it. Mm-hmm. Um, I tried playing it recently, and no. But, uh... No. Just, just no. Yeah. It does have great... You know what's great about it is you can get, like, every costume. Yes. Oh, I do remember that. I remember earning the costumes. Yeah, yeah. and that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. But, like, I got that with PS4. That's the other thing about... Uh, don't make another one. I, I'll lose all my costumes. <laughs> right. And I like, really want to play we... as, like, the cel-shaded Spider-Clan. And, oh... Spider-Clan like, is so gorgeous, but... Isn't it crazy? We just got Bagman. We just got Bagman, Spider-Man, and yeah. so <laughs> you gotta play as Bagman. Right. No, I, I got Future Foundation Spider-Man, I got Bagman, I got the real comic book Iron Spider, like, every... Oh, I got them yeah. all. I got mm-hmm. Naked Spider-Man. It's amazing. And I'll just switch. Like, I'll just, like, I'll be swinging through, like, I'm like, well, we just reached another district. Time to switch costumes. <laughs> oh, I just play that game for fun, and I, I, I don't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, where I just go like, well, I'm going to take a disc out of the box, put it into the machine, wait for it to load, and play this freaking thing again. Even though I've oh, beaten yeah. it twice. Well, I mean, for the longest time, my PS4 was strictly a Bloodborne machine. Oh. You know? And so, like, I, I literally had to wipe dust off of it. And, you know, now, yes, the only disc that is ever in there is Spider-Man. That, yeah, that's my Spider-Man machine now. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, which is fine. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. That's the thing. I would be playing it more, but my wife is playing Bloodborne. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, then you can't have it back. I'm sorry. I won't. I can't that have one. it back. I, I don't want to screw anything up. She's been... I don't know how... And I have no idea how far she is in this game. She's mm-hmm. been playing for weeks. I have no idea. Yeah, oh, no. She probably doesn't know how far she is in the game. <laughs> no, there's no way to... Because it's, like, it's a nightmare, and that's yeah, what's like beautiful about it. It's like being in a casino. There's no windows. There's no, there's no clocks. <laughs> I can't acclimate myself. It's horrible. Well, great. Well, uh, Jack, thank you so much for joining me and just chatting about Spider-Man for a while. Uh, I hope everybody else enjoyed it. I know I did. Um, and maybe one of these days we'll do it again. We'll find something else we can chat <laughs> Absolutely. We have lovely conversations. I would love to come back and have another one. You, sir. You know, we, we've, we've covered... Uh, Punisher movies, but now we've talked about Spider-Man properties. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what's left, but we'll we'll do something. Yeah, what, there's some there's some gray area between Punisher and Spider-Man. We'll get there. But uh, we want to thank you so much for hanging out with us. We'll see you guys next time. Uh, don't forget to check out Jack. Of course, everywhere where Jack is available, you can find him on Twitter. You can find him on YouTube. All the descriptions, all, all the links are in the description. Go grab them. 
and we'll see you then. So long, everybody.